Welcome to Stunt Stories. I'm Corey Eubanks, and today it's just you and I. I have no guest on my show today. And I got to tell you something. Sometimes it's nice to be able to share some of my stories with you and not just hear all the great stories from my my guests, because I get kind of jealous sometimes. I think their stories are better than mine. Let, <laughs> let me paint you a visual picture right now of what's going on and where I am. I just recently moved to Stephenville, Texas, and we don't have a studio here. So I am sitting in the living quarters of our horse trailer, which is parked in a field. And it's, uh, it was 108 today. And I'm sitting in this trailer and I, I don't have the AC on because it's extremely loud. And there's just a little tiny vent that's blowing um, comfortably hot air <laughs> down across the floor. So if you hear anything kind of in the in the background, little little humming noise, that's what that is. And I apologize for that. But um, my gosh, I think I'm probably going to lose a few pounds just sitting here, just sweating. You know, um, <clears throat> when you go to a movie and you're watching the stunts and the very you know quick edits of the little clips and stuff, it's always fascinating to me what it actually took to get that footage to, to assemble that, that sequence, to edit everything together. But where did all that footage come from? What did it take for the stunt coordinator, the second unit director, and or the director and the producer to put all of those elements together? And until you've produced your own feature film, you're really, you're just, you're kind of oblivious to all of the headaches and hurdles and challenges that you're faced with to put everything together. And it's really sometimes much more fascinating than the film that you're actually watching. Now, my point being, a perfect example is a little B film, little B movie that I made that um, was called Force to Kill. And Force to Kill is available on Amazon. You could watch it. I, I don't get anything for it, so I'm not plugging a movie, trying to make a dime. It's, it was sold years ago to a company called PM Entertainment, and then they turned around and they sold the licensing rights to another con- uh, company. So I don't even know who owns it right now, but I do know it's on Amazon, and it's called Forced to Kill. And if you ever want to watch it, then you will see how these uh, little stories I'm going to tell you about the making of that movie all f- uh, intertwine and how they fit together and really how kind of fascinating it is. And you go, gosh, I, n- I never would have known that. For an example, there is a sequence that um, I did that had the vehicle that I was being chased by was driven by myself and the vehicle, and obviously the vehicle I was driving this Cadillac, this gold Cadillac, an old 75 coupe Cadillac. I'm being chased by Michael Ironside and he's in a, um, a white blazer, which is, you know, he's a local town sheriff. So it's like a sheriff blazer and he's chasing me. But when you edit it together and actually, you know, butt up these pieces of film together, I am driving both vehicles. And I'll tell you how that happened. Years ago, the Los Angeles Times used to put out these theater commercials and they would go in 2200 uh, movie theaters across uh, 2200 screens, not movie theaters, but 2200 movie screens across the country. 
And they wanted to do one on a Hollywood stuntman. So they approached Hal Needham. And Hal Needham said, I don't care about doing that, but who you should get is Corey Eubanks. Now, why he picked me, I do not know. I kind of wish he actually didn't, because I think um, a lot of my peers who were far more deserving, far more established in the industry should have had the right to have had this minute and a half long kind of mini documentary about my career and my family. That should have been about them, but it turned out it was about me. And at first, I didn't want to do it. Because I was at a point in my career where I wanted to do more writing, more directing, more producing. Um, I had only done one film at that time. Uh, Back in 1989, I wrote and starred in a movie called Payback uh, with Michael Ironside. And it was a lot of fun to write a screenplay and then go out and actually be one of the producers of the film and also play the lead role. It was... um, Uh, a challenge for me and a lot of fun. And we made a lot of mistakes, but it was a great learning uh, curve for us. So I took a lot of that knowledge that I gained from making that movie and I turned it over and made another movie called Force to Kill. But I did it a little bit differently. This time we didn't go out and finance the entire film. I went and shot on three weekends and edited together a, a sales reel which I then gave to a gentleman named George Shami at PM Entertainment. And he went and pre-sold the movie to some of the foreign markets. And then I used some of the deposits that I got from those foreign sales and to make the movie. <clears throat> and also had some deferment contracts with my post-production sound company with some of my actors and, and whatnot. But it was a, a very creative way of getting the financing um, some of it up front and some of it on a deferred basis uh, to make the movie. But now going back to the Los Angeles Times theater commercial is called um, The Stuntman. Uh, it's on YouTube. You can, you can see it and see what I'm talking about. And I think um, I was maybe 29 or 30 years old at the time. It was quite a while ago. But um, when they, the producers of that theater commercial, the Los Angeles Times theater commercial, approached me and asked me, said, hey, how Needham recommended you to do this? I, I was like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm producing my, my own feature film right now. And then I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, if they were willing to pay for a vehicle, to have a roll cage installed, to pay for the location for, and, and have seven cameras to film me doing a stunt, they wanted me to, to do a pipe ramp. They wanted me to flip over a vehicle. I thought, wait a minute, maybe there's a deal to be made here where I can use that footage in my movie that I'm making. So I had a conversation with them and said, does it matter to you what kind of vehicle that I I flip over? And they're like, no, any any vehicle that you want. I go, I want to flip over a Chevy Blazer. And they're like, okay, can we ask just why you chose a Chevy Blazer? And I said, yeah, the interior is much taller and there's much more room for the roll cage. It's a safety issue. It's, it's, it, it would be the best vehicle for this type of a stunt that I would crash through a, a trailer, a uh, little, you know, little camping trailer, little 28-foot camping trailer, just for the visual of exploding through the trailer and having all the debris flying through the air. That was the whole concept behind going through a trailer just so we could fill it with stuff. And it's a great visual as you punch out the other side. And, and again, this is, this is uh, the Los Angeles times stuntman uh, theater trailer, whatever. I think that's what it's called. 
Uh, it's on YouTube. You can see it and see what I'm talking about. But they had seven cameras, which I didn't have to pay for. The location, I didn't have to pay for. The vehicle, the roll cage, the crew, none of that. And and um, so after doing that stunt, um, they gave me a copy of the negative that, well, back then we were shooting 35 millimeter film stock. Oh, and also how cheap I was back then. I was I was buying my film from a company called the film stock exchange. So what that means is if, if a, a show was shooting um, on 35 millimeter and they had like a thousand foot roll of film and they used up, you know, 860 feet of it, uh, the remainder of it, they would sell back to this film stock exchange who would then make it available for people to come in and buy it for like half the cost so that's where I was acquiring my film was from the film stock exchange. Um, yeah, there was a lot to go into making this movie called Force to Kill, which is on Amazon. So <clears throat> we got that footage. So now it comes time to make Force to Kill. And I go and I have my co-producing buddy, Tommy Sarmento, go out and find an identical blazer. We paint it white, put the same exact sheriff decals all over it. And now we've got Michael Ironside driving it in our movie. And we went and shot some of the chase sequence at the old Dukes of Hazard uh, set, which was out in Valencia. And that was a lot of fun for me because I would, I was reminiscing back about when I started working on Dukes of Hazard and how, um, you know, I was just a new kid on the block and didn't know anything. And, and now here I am starring and producing my own feature film and shooting on the location when I, where I used to, where I learned, you know, how to drive the General Lee. And we did this crash sequence right in front of the boar's nest. Actually, I throw a 180 as I'm being chased by Michael Ironside. The last couple frames before the vehicle crashes through the the camping trailer, that's me driving the blazer while I'm chasing me in the gold coupe Cadillac with this girl that's with me, Carrie Whitman, I believe her name was, this actress, sweetheart, but I, I think her name was Carrie Whitman. But um, so yeah, editorially, you cut in between the two, the blazer's chasing the Cadillac, but I'm driving both. That's movie magic. And I throw this 180 in front of the boar's nest to come to a stop because I had shot Michael Ironside. We got up alongside each other side by side and I shot him. And that's when we cut to the footage of the LA Times where I'm smashing through the, the, the camping trailer. And then it tumbles and comes to a rest on its wheels. Then I get out of the Cadillac and I approach uh, Michael Ironside, who then busts the window, the side window with his, this 357 revolver and starts shooting at me. So I drop to my belly in the dirt and I start firing back and shooting him through the door. And then I take my, take my aim to the gas tank and shoot the gas tank to explode the vehicle. And it, which again, that can never happen. If you shoot a gas tank with a bullet, it just goes in and makes a hole, but we've been educated through the movies that it explodes. So that's what I went with. And it exploded and did a big nose wheelie and then came crashing back down. But that explosion took place right in front of the boar's nest. In that same sequence, just prior to that, it's funny because I just now remembered this. Just prior to that, there were a couple of other police cars, they were tan colored, that were chasing me. Now, a few years back, I did a pipe ramp 
for Gary Baxley on a pilot for Glenn Larson called Highwayman. And it was one of those pipe ramps that just, I had to come across the field and come through these trees and hit the pipe ramp. And um, I was going extremely fast and extremely fast is uh, approximately 65 miles per hour or maybe a little bit more and hit this pipe ramp and just got this beautiful rotation up in the air, did a complete 360 and then three quarter of his three, almost, almost two complete revolutions before it hit on its tail end and bounced up and spun again and came down. It was a, a very beautiful, in my opinion, a uh, very beautiful uh, turnover, pipe ramp turnover. And I wanted that in our movie. And my father uh, knew Glenn Larson very well. And so he put me in contact with him and since Highwayman did not sell and go into a, uh, a television series, he was willing to sell me the footage of that pipe ramp stunt that I did. And he sold it to me for $2. Had to have a legal contract because it was through 20th Century Fox that they were selling me the rights to use that footage in my movie. So again, in that sequence, if you back up a little bit, Prior to me shooting Michael Ironside and him crashing through the trailer, which is me driving the blazer, chasing myself, if you go back one more vehicle, <laughs> that was me driving that vehicle. So I'm chasing, I'm in a vehicle in a police car that's chasing a blazer that I'm also driving that's chasing a gold coupe Cadillac that I'm driving as well. So Daisy chain those together. I'm actually driving all three vehicles and do and performing all three stunts. And, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the, the magic of movie making. And, and the part that I think fascinates me the most is when you see uh, an action sequence and so many people are just completely oblivious to what it took to get, to get that, that sequence shot and how it all, how it all, um, ties together. And, uh, it's it's actually quite common. There's there were some times some friends of mine years ago we were on Walker Texas Ranger, and you would be playing a bad guy, and you you're in a flannel shirt and got a some ball cap on or something. You're hiding behind some some crates or some gas can, you know you know fifty five gallon gas drums, and you're in a gun battle, full on gun battle, exchanging gunfire, and you take a hit and you fall down, you're dead. Well, then when we turn around to shoot the other direction you've now gone to wardrobe and changed into a police uniform and you're now a cop in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and you're now firing the opposite direction, uh, you know, peeking in through the, the doorway and, and exchanging gunfire with yourself and ultimately shooting and killing yourself. It's, <laughs> there's things like that in the movie business that just, that just totally cracked me up that until you, uh, you see it, you just, you don't know. You know, another thing that was interesting um, on that Force to Kill movie, just while I was in pre-production, I had gone off to work with Ron Howard on a movie called Far and Away. And we were filming in Billings, Montana, recreating the Oklahoma land rush in Billings, Montana. Why we didn't go to uh, to Oklahoma, I don't know. Maybe Ron Howard didn't think Oklahoma looked like Oklahoma. But anyway, we're out in the middle of nowhere. 
out in literally, you can't see a building, a structure, a house, nothing. We're scouting this huge, vacant, thousands of acres of nothingness. And we're on horseback. And Ron Howard comes trotting up alongside. I'll never forget this. Here comes Ron Howard trotting up alongside me and says, hey, Corey, I hear you're getting ready to produce your own movie. And I said, wow, word of mouth sure travels fast out here, doesn't it? <laughs> he goes, well, no, I had a friend of mine who said something who knew about it and where you were getting your, your stock foot, your footage from, <laughs> from the film stock exchange. And he too's producing a film. And somehow he goes, I was just wondering if you might have a spot in it for my dad. And I'm like, here's Ron Howard asking me for a favor if I will use his father in a movie that is B film straight to video VHS back in the day. And I'm like, wow, Ron Howard's asking me. And I'm like, well, gosh, Ron, what what is your dad? Is he an, is he an actor? He goes, yeah, he's on this movie. His name is Rance. I'll introduce you to him. I said, absolutely. I'll find a spot for him in my movie. So he goes, thanks, Corey. And he starts to, you know, trot a little faster to go on to catch up to his first AD and Brian Grazer and, the locations manager, but then he pulls back on the reins and slows up and pulls back alongside me again. He goes, Oh, and also if you could find a spot for my brother, Clint, that would really be great. And then he wrote off. So (laughs) I did just that. I found, I found a spot for both Rance Howard throughout the entire movie. He, he played a co-starring role and also Clint Howard um, had a, a pretty decent part in, in the, in the film and, um, yeah, I thought, well, if Ron Howard's going to ask me for a favor, why not, why not, um, give it to him? Why not, why not be the nice guy and give it to him? Anyway, listen, um, I just wanted to share that with you, that story about force to kill. And cause it's kind of funny if you get a chance to watch it. And if, if you are a Dukes of Hazard fan, you will see, you will, you will recognize some of the roads that, um, we filmed on while I'm, I'm, you know, power sliding that Cadillac around the corners and through the curves. It's, uh, it's, it's same exact roads. We filmed, uh, the television series, the Dukes of Hazard, and you will notice the barn that's out there. You will also see, uh, as I mentioned, the boar's nest that I throw the 180 in front of and, um, a couple other crashes that we did. I bump and bang with a police car and send it off into a into a ditch, into a tree that actually is the same tree I had crashed into years ago in a uh, Enos police car. You know, the Roscoe and Enos police cars. It was the Enos police car. I had done a pretty high-speed crash into a tree when I was trying to um, make a name for myself. But uh, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun for you to look and see. Um, Oh, and also in that movie, no, no, did Tommy play a part? No, he played a part, Tommy Sarmento. He was the mechanic on the Dukes of Hazard. I had him in payback. What did Tommy do on Force to Kill? I can't remember. I'll have to watch the movie again because I know he did play a part uh, in there somewhere. Anyway, listen, thank you so much for listening to Stunt Stories. And I will tell you another stunt story this next week. Might have a guest on. I've got a couple people in mind I'm going to reach out to. But if not, it'll just be you and us, you and I again. All right, talk to you later.